Thanks for listening to the Cornerstone Chapel Middle School Podcast. Let's head into the service for this week's message. So we have been talking about a king recently of the nation of Israel. And what is the king's name? Somebody's going to tell me. Yes, sir. Solomon. Thank you. And Solomon, being the king of Israel, asked God for something. God said, I'm going to give you anything that you ask for. And Solomon asked for something. Somebody's going to tell me, what did Solomon ask for from God? Yes. Wisdom. He said, God, give me wisdom. Give me discernment so that I can lead the people as a nation and lead them well. And God said, I'm going to give you that. And because you, you didn't reach low, but you reached for the higher things, reach for the holier things, because you didn't ask for money or wealth or to live a long life, I'm not only going to give you what you asked for, I'm also going to give you everything you didn't ask for. It's like the genie asking him for one wish, and then you ask, and he goes, look, you know what, I'm going to give you a bunch of other wishes just because you were so nice and what you asked for. And amazingly, the nation of Israel reaches its golden era. Things are going fantastic. They are at the largest expanse as a nation for territory that they've ever had. They have the most money that they've ever had. They have the most power and influence in the region that they've had in a long time or ever actually. And under Solomon, things are thriving and doing fantastic. Last week we talked about how they built the temple to God. And what is it that they brought into the temple of God? Some reason tell me, what did they bring into the temple of God? Uh, yes, ma'am. Yeah, they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple of God. And what happened when they set the Ark of the Covenant down in the temple? What happened to the temple? What, anyone remember? Yeah? Yeah, like this fog or this mist filled the temple to represent. God was saying, my presence is in this temple. But last week we talked about how God's presence is no longer confined to a building or a temple. God is present everywhere, but also he is manifest or more present even so inside of believers, inside of Christians through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives inside of us, meaning that our bodies are a what? A temple to God. And so last week we talked about we need to be careful. We need to be sure that we are honoring the gift of our body. And we also want to be sure the things that we let into our heart and into our mind honoring to God and the things that we do with our bodies honor God and are glorifying to him and we worship him. So that's what we talked about last week. This week we're going to talk about Solomon's legacy here in chapter 10 verse 1. So read with me if you will Solomon, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 10 of uh, 1 Kings verse 1 it says this, when the queen of Sheba, pause there, the queen of Sheba, that's a great name. Can we say that on three together? And I want you to say it with a funny accent. You choose the accent of your choosing, okay? On three. One, two, three. The queen of Sheba. I like it. One more time. One, two, three. The queen of Sheba. That's how I'm going to say it. Okay. So, when the queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relation to the name of the Lord, she came to test him with hard questions. Arriving at Jerusalem with a great caravan, with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones, she came to Solomon and talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all the questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. 
For the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace that he had built and the food on his table and the seating of his officials and the attending servants in their robes, the cupbearers and the burnt offerings that he made at the temple of the Lord. She was overwhelmed. She said to the king, the report I heard in my country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things until I saw, I came and saw with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half was told to me. In wisdom and wealth, um, you have far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your men must be. How happy your officials who continue standing before you and hear your wisdom. Check this out. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel. He has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. So pause here for a second. So word begins to spread about Solomon throughout the land, not just the region, but to all the other countries around the area. Word begins to spread about this king Solomon and his wisdom and the power of Israel, this nation, and the wealth that is growing. Word begins to spread. And rumors begin to fly around, and, and people kind of want to find out for themselves whether they're true. It says here that Queen Sheba wanted to know for herself. She kind of heard these rumors about this Solomon being so great and mighty and powerful. She's like, I want to check this out for myself. And sometimes, you know, word gets around or a legacy begins to form or, or an impression, reputation begins to begin to form. And we want to find out for ourselves. Maybe there's a movie that comes out. And you're like, man, I heard this movie is incredible, inside out. It sounds so good and awesome. And I love Amy Poehler. Like, I got to go see this movie because people are talking about it. Or maybe, maybe there's a really good book. I'm like, man, everybody's talking about this book. I got to read this book because everyone has been amazed at how good it was and I got I to read it. Or, or maybe there's a restaurant that opens and you get word of this restaurant that is amazing. This is the best around. And you want to try it for yourself. How many of you have been to a place called Melt? It's a burger place in Leesburg. Anybody? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, cool. So check us out. A couple years ago when they opened, my friends, I don't remember who first told me, but somebody came to me and was like, dude, I just had the best burger of my life. I'm like, oh, really? Where were you? Like Chicago, New York? Like, where were you? No, Leesburg. I'm like, Leesburg? Do tell. There's a burger place called Melt. The burgers are so good. It's like eating a baby angel. A baby angel? You say a baby angel. It's amazing. And I'm like, all right, dude, uh, baby angels taste really good from my experience, apparently. And uh, I don't really believe that it's that great, but I'm going to go check it out for myself. I wanted to check the rumors were true. I went on Yelp, and I read a bunch of reviews about how great it was. It had, like, five stars. And actually, I found out that it's actually rated number seven in the nation for the best burger by Yelp and by, I think, TripAdvisor. Number seven, best burger in the nation, according to that. So I'm like, all right, I want to see if the hype is real. I want to see if all of the excitement... And the claim and the rumors, I want to know if they're true for myself. So like Queen Sheba, you know, got a caravan and I arrived at Melt. And I ordered a burger and I sat down at my table with the burger and it looked pretty good and I took a bite. I took a bite. My life changed. Let me try in mortal words, in the tongue of man, to describe to you the heavenly divine beauty that was this burger. 
There were two buns. I'm not crying. A little bit. There were two buns. Bodaciously beautiful buns. Handcrafted. Each individual like a snowflake falling to earth. Special in its own way. Buttery goodness. Crisp on the outside. And within those buns was a burger. Nay, a meat burger. And it was so delectable, so tender, that it melted in your mouth like cotton candy. It was as if they had slaughtered an entire herd of cattle. And they found one piece that was above them all. And they said, this piece shall be in the burger. And they put that piece in the burger. And it was good. And it was right. And it felt so real. And then on that meat, they melted where they get the name melt. They melted slice of cheese, the smoothest as Natra himself. And they melted it onto that burger. And then on that, they put lettuce. And I said, take the lettuce off. I hate lettuce. And they took the lettuce off because it was healthy. And then they put bacon. I say again, bacon. Onto this burger. And it was good. I ate there three times in a 48-hour time span. Three times. Three. I went there, told my friends about it. Then my parents said, hey, guess what? For dinner, we're having milk. And I'm not going to say no, so I ate it again. And then the next day, I had a friend come from out of town, and he goes, where's the best burger place? And I go, melt. And I will take you there for the third time in 48 hours. And the lady at the counter said, again? And I said, again. Give it to me again. It was amazing. It was amazing. So that is the burger place, and I had to find out for myself if the hype was real. And Queen Sheba heard about Solomon. She goes, I got to find out if this guy is really as smart as they say, if his palace is really as amazing as they say, if this nation is really as great as they say. And so she goes to find out for herself. And as she arrives in Jerusalem, she rides by this amazing temple that was built to the glory of God, and she marvels at it. And she pulls up to this palace, and it is ornate in its design, and there's gold lining the outside of it. And she's amazed, and there are attendants, and there are servants throughout the palace. And even their clothing is impressive. The way that they're dressed is impressive to her. And as she comes in, they eat a meal, and the food is exotic and crazy and beautiful and good. They probably had melt burgers. And she's like, what is this burger? This is amazing. And she never tried it before. And she was in awe of it all. Then she spoke with Solomon. And it says that she asked him everything that was on her heart. She said, here's everything that I'm just kind of wondering. And it said that Solomon answered every question that she had. Every question she could ponder in her mind. Because we learned that Solomon had an amazing understanding of biology, of how animals and plants worked before his time. He had an amazing understanding of wisdom and discernment and philosophy and life itself. And he answered all of her questions. And when it was done, she said, you have lived up to the expectations. You have met the hype. You have met your reputation. And not only that, you exceeded it. And she pauses and she says this. Praise be to the Lord your God. She says, look, all that has happened in your life, there is zero way, zero way that that happened just by you, just by chance, just by luck. God is, has his hand on your life and your God is real and he is helping you and present in your life. 
Now notice, this was not a Jewish queen. This was a foreign queen who worshipped foreign gods. And she came to Israel and she said, your God has to be real because of your life, because of the way that you live, because of the wisdom that you have. There's no other way to explain this. Solomon had a reputation. And not only did his reputation live up to the hype, it exceeded it and it caused her to go home. And when she went home, you better believe that when she went home, she said, I met Solomon and he's better than we thought. And not only that, but the God of Israel is real and he has blessed Solomon in an amazing, amazing way. Solomon had a legacy. When she thought from that moment on of Solomon, she was going to think of him in a positive light that he was a man of wisdom, that he was a man who was blessed materially, and then also that God was present and she gave God glory because of what she saw in Solomon's life. Now, I wish this was the end of Solomon's legacy. I wish this was it, and I finished here, and we you know, kept going with our sermon. But unfortunately, this is not the only thing that Solomon is remembered for. Solomon's legacy is not just the good things. There is also the mistakes, the shortcomings of him. Turn with me to chapter 11 of 1 Kings, verse 1, and read with me here. It says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Amorites, Edenites, Sinamites, Hittites, and they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you are not to intermarry with them because you will surely turn your, they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Pause here for a second. God gave a command and he said this, look, Israel, I, I, I only want you to enter into a marriage where you both love God. And I'm doing this to protect you. I don't want you to fall astray and start worshiping false gods or to be pulled away from the one true God. I want you to have a wife or I want you to have a husband who leads you towards God, who encourages you in your life with God, who builds you up and encourages you, you know, to have fellowship and go to church or encourages you to read scripture or encourages you to live a life that honors him. That's what I want for you. So do not marry someone who does not have that same passion for God. That's the command that he gave, to not intermarry with other nations. But here's the problem. Solomon did this. Solomon did this. And on top of this, we know that God asked that you are to marry one woman or one man. You're only supposed to have one spouse, one person that you're married to. Well, let's read how many Solomon was married to. It says, Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth. I mean, I'm just going to read that again. <laughs> read it again. He had 700 wives. 700 wives, okay? 700. Just, just picture what that would even be like, okay? He's like, hey, you know what? I'm just, I'm just taking my wives out for a date. You know, they pull up to Chick-fil-A. He's at the window. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get a number one spicy chicken combo. Actually, it's number two. And, um, you know, and then I'm going to order for uh, all my wives. Um, we're going to get 700 chicken McNuggets, uh, orders of chicken McNuggets, and then 300 milkshakes. 301 milkshakes, sorry, you know, that one in the back, sorry about that. And he's ordering, you know, trying to go on like a date with all of his 700 
wives. Now, the reason that he did this was because, one, he was a womanizer. And then, two, back then, if you wanted to seal a treaty, what you would do is you would marry the uh, princess of the king that you were making a treaty with. So if he ever wants to fight against you, you're like, yeah, cool, come fight me. Your daughter is living in my house. She's my wife. You don't want to fight against your daughter, right? So it would be a way in which they would promise peace. Solomon didn't have to agree to this. Solomon did not have to follow through with it. But he ended up marrying 700 women of royal birth. And he sinned against God in two ways. One, he married more than one. And then two, he also married someone, or married a lot of different women, who did not have the same love and passion for God that he did. And there was a consequence for this, and it was that they led him astray. They led him away from God. He began to worship other gods. You know, maybe he was going to church on Sunday and they were going to all their pagan temples. And he's like, man, you know, I, I, maybe I should go with one of them. And he goes with one of them and worships their pagan gods or he begins to get interested in what they worship or what they believe and he gets led astray from God. He sins against God in both these ways and there's going to be consequences for his sin that we'll talk about later. When I was researching for the sermon, I typed in on Google. I said I was going to look up how many wives does Solomon have. And you know how like Solomon or um, Solomon, Google will fill in the rest of the bar when you're typing? You know what I mean? Like uh, if you type like Atlanta Braves and then it'll like fill in the rest of the word Braves. Well, I typed in how many wives did. And before I finished, the first answer that popped up was Solomon have. King Solomon have. It, it was how many wives did King Solomon have? And it filled it in. And then the one below it was... Oh, I remember the last service. I just blanked. Oh, how many wives did King Henry VIII kill? And that was like the second Google one that popped up, you know, to fill it in. But the first one that Solomon was remembered for, that Google recognized, was that Solomon was a womanizer, that he disobeyed God, and he got led astray by his disobedience. So you just kind of see two legacies, two things that Solomon's being remembered for here. In one hand, Queen Sheba walks away and she is remembering Solomon. Wow, look at all of his wisdom that he has. Look at all of the uh, abilities that God has given him. I got to give glory to the God of his nation because of the way that he lives his life. Because of the, the well, wisdom that he has. But then over here is the reputation that he was a womanizer, that he was disobedient to God, and that he worshiped other gods being led astray. And you see how, how it hurts the other reputation. It hurts his, his reputation of having wisdom, the fact that this one existed. My challenge to you guys is this. What will you be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? I want to do a challenge. Um, I want to ask somebody who can talk really fast or think on their feet real quick, raise their hand. I'm going to bring you up on stage. Um, sir, come on up. Come on up. Come, up. come over here to this microphone right here. Right here. Turn this on. I'm like. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play a game called word association. So I'm going to say a word, and you're going to say the first word that pops into your mind, like the first thing that pops into your mind, okay? We're going to practice. Ready? Potato. Uh, French fries. Okay. So you got it. Okay. You guys understand the game? Okay, so I'm just going to rattle off a few things. And you're going to say the first thing pops in your... Oh, yes, sir. 
close to the mic? Okay, just stand close, yeah. You can like bend it up a little bit. It's kind of fun. Who is standing there? Andrew? Oh. <laughs> He's short. <laughs> Never mind. I'm okay. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. Okay? Ready? Dentist. Doctor. Shoes. Shots. Oh, Nike. <laughs> Shots? Shots? Like, oh, okay. Well, um, hairballs. Cats. Dogs. Fetch. Fetch. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're doing pretty good. He's doing pretty good. Now we're gonna we're gonna pick up the pace a little bit, okay? okay. Hope you can handle this, okay? Eyelashes. Uh mascara. Justin Bieber. Girly man. Mascara. <laughs> girls. <laughs> I like that answer. <laughs> Mascara girls. Makeup. Girls. <laughs> I'm just thinking of all the answers that will now make you say girls. <laughs> Pretty. Um, oh, they're going to say girls. <laughs> girls. <laughs> Christmas. Uh, in 12 things. Ooh, Lord of the Rings. The Hobbit. Winter Camp. Plates. Food. Food. Oh, Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Chick-fil-A. Uh, milkshakes. Milkshakes. Peppermint shakes. Peppermint. Peppermint ice cream. Oh, he's good. All right, we're going to do just three more, okay? Ready for this? This is going to be tough, okay? Church. You. Oh, thank you. <laughs> okay, um, God. Don't say me. Uh, <laughs> the cross. The cross. Awesome. Barrett. Uh, loser. Loser? Oh. <laughs> so I'm going home. <laughs> going to go home. Wait, hold on. Hold on. You think church, you think Barrett, you think Barrett, you think loser. You think church is a loser? What's wrong with you? Come on. We're going to talk after class. All right, cool. Moving on. Here's what I want to do with that, okay? If we were to take everyone that you know, everybody that you have interacted with who knows your name, we're to line them up and give them turns playing that game, and we were to say your name, what would be the word that they associate with your name? What would be the first thought that pops in their mind when they hear about you? What do they think? I think back to my middle school days. I went to a small private middle school, um, and then I also did public school. I did a little bit of everything. Shh, shh, shh. Hey, guys. Chill. Hi. And it was, it was really interesting. Hey, are you guys good over here? You guys good? Okay, cool. Thank you. It was really interesting to me in middle school to look back now and to see what do I remember about people? When I hear the name Paul Martini, I think the smartest kid in my grade. Whenever I would get a bad test grade, I would say to my mom, but everybody did bad on the test. And she would, without fail, go, what did Paul Martini get on the test? That's not fair. Paul Martini always gets an A. So I guess then everyone didn't get a bad grade on the test. Yeah. And it was always like my downfall when I was arguing about my grades. Like, but mom, nobody gets an A in her class. Did Paul? Yes, Paul Martini got an A, okay? But he's not human. He's a robot or something. I don't know. It's, it's unreasonable. Or then when I thought of, 
uh, Caroline Morris, Carly Morris, oh, she'd hate me for telling this, uh, I would think of her laugh because she had a donkey laugh. You guys know what a donkey laugh is? And I'm sorry if you have that, but shh. It's kind of like where it's like, <clears throat> she had like a laugh like that. And that first thing when I think of her, boom, that's what I think of. Or I think of, I, I think of um, who was it? A D. Goins. D. Goins was our best basketball player. So I think of D. Goins, basketball. First thing I think of, like, pops in my mind. But, but I also had other kids who, who I think of. And when I thought of Laura Poff, I love that last name, Poff. <laughs> when I think of Laura Poff, first thing that I think of is mature. She was mature beyond her years. I sat down one day at lunch with her. I was sitting down. I, I just yeah, have a tape touch. And I'm just sitting there, and she sits down next to me. And she just sits down. She has this big smile, and she goes, Hey, Barrett. I'm like, yeah. Mommy, you know, mouth's full. And she goes, have you ever thought about how God is never ending? And I'm like, no. Like, have you ever thought about whether ketchup or mustard is better on tater tots? Like, I'm, what do you? And she's like, she's like, yeah, God, like, he goes on and on and on forever. <laughs> Crazy. And then she goes to drinking her milk. And I'm like, well, that was random. Like, where did that come from? But she... Over the years, as I got to know her, she had these amazingly deep thoughts, and she challenged me. And I look back, and I see she was mature beyond her years as a middle schooler. She should have been in high school or college, for that matter, teaching a class or something. She had such a passion and maturity in the Lord. She was kind of like, almost like the mom of the grave. And I don't say that in a bad way, where one of the girls would be crying, oh, Freddie broke up with me for the eighth time. And she's like, it's okay, come here. And she'd just hug the girl and be like, maybe you shouldn't date Freddie anymore. I don't know. Maybe just a thought, you know? Or like she was just like the, the caretaker, like, hey, I know grades are tough, but you know what? Life's bigger than that, and it's okay. And she just spoke with this maturity that's like, who are you? Like, are you actually like 39, like trapped in a like middle schooler's body? Like, what happened? And then there was Peter Everest. Every time I think of Peter Everest, I think of the first time he got up in our Bible class and he talked about Jesus. And the way he talked, he love Jesus. And I don't think you could listen to him talk about Jesus and not know that he loved Jesus a lot. And every time I think of Peter, that's the moment that I think of. I mean, I think of Mr. Arnett. Mr. Arnett was my Bible teacher in middle school. And it was sixth grade, and he would teach about the Gospels. And it was exciting. Like, it, it wasn't boring. It was, wow, the Bible is something that is exciting and new and real. And he cared about it, and he was passionate about it. And that's what I remember of him. What will people remember about you? And I'm not just talking about when you die. I, I mean, what do they think of you now? We talked, we've talked before about reputations, and, and we've talked before about making sure that you know, we represent God well. But I want you to understand that Solomon, if he had just continued to follow after God, his reputation, or what he was remembered for, his legacy would just be that he loved God and he would point people to God with his wisdom and that he was one of the greatest kings of Israel. But his legacy was tarnished and what he was remembered for was also associated with his sin against God, with his mistakes. And it was challenged. To renown Google, where you type in Solomon, it comes up wisdom and then it comes up Solomon's wives. It's associated with him. My question is this. What will you be remembered for? What will you be remembered for? 
Or will people look at your life and will they say to themselves, wow, there's something so unique about you. Remember we talked about being different? There's something so different about you, so unique, so special, that there has to be something else about you. And people ask, what is it that's different about you? What is so unique about you? And it's your love for God, and they see that in you. Or they see your amazing talent at something. Like, man, how are you so talented at this? And you can point them to God and say, well, actually, I'm only good at this, or I'm only talented because God gave me the talent. All glory goes to him. And you can point them to God. And they will remember that. What will people remember of you? Your family? Your friends? The ladies at the checkout line and Target who you're saying hello to? I always like to talk to them. I dare you, next time maybe you're checking out of a re- like, a, like a store or your parents are checking out of a store, ask the people working there, hey, how are you doing? They'll be like, what? Ask them how much longer you have to work. I love asking them, so how long have you worked? And like, I've been working eight hours. I'm like, eight hours? And this one lady I was talking to, I don't remember her name. I was talking to her at Target and she's like, yeah, eight hours. And then after this, I got to go home. I got to babysit my nephew for a couple more hours. And I'm like, wow, that's a full day. Because, yeah, I need to work two jobs. Just care about people. But I hope that she walked away and she remembered, hey, that guy, he cared about me. If that's all she remembers, that's great. I hope she knows that. What will people remember about you? What will your legacy be? What will be remembered of you? Let's pray. Father God, I ask that our legacy. I ask that we would be remembered for caring about other people, loving you, Lord, following hard after you. I ask that that if we were remembered for our talents, we'd be remembered also for giving glory to God for any talent that we had. Lord, I pray that we would seek to have a good reputation, that we might give you glory, not for ourselves, but for you. And that, Lord, while Solomon was caught in between these two reputations that he had, Lord, I I pray that that we would be consistent in being remembered for loving you above all else, for caring for you and caring for people. Might that be our legacy. And might that legacy, might what people remember of us, give glory to you and not to ourselves. We love you, God, and we thank you for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray these things. Amen.